Want to have better conversations? Join my free 21-day confidence-building course. You'll learn how to effectively talk about yourself and clearly explain what you do, so you'll be able to have more meaningful conversations with less awkward silences. Sign up now at freeconfidencecourse.com. You're listening to Stand Out Get Noticed, the show that helps you communicate with confidence so you can stand out from the crowd and get noticed by all the right people. If you want to be a person of influence and achieve success in business and in life, this podcast is for you. To subscribe to the show, go to thecmethod.com. Hello and welcome to episode 45 of Stand Out Get Noticed. This show is brought to you by The C Method and I'm Christina Cantor's communication skills trainer, founder of The C Method and your host. So guess what I did today? I came into work to record this episode and realized that I forgot to bring my audio equipment. So I forgot to bring my good microphone, which means that I'm recording this through my iPhone headphones, which is why the quality is not the same. Well, you know, it's not as good as it normally is in my other episodes. So just letting you know, that's why it sounds a little bit fuzzy. All right. Anyway, moving on. I'm very excited to be speaking with Wendy Grenfell, and she's the founder and the CEO of Elgin Hall, a business school with a finishing school philosophy. And I was really excited to talk to Wendy because she helps people, she helps high level professionals go from 80% of their capabilities to 100%, much like a coach takes talented athletes to the elite level. Pretty cool, right? So we talk about communication, how to communicate well as a leader, why successful individuals stop at 80% and how to push through in and live in that top 20% to really function at a high level. It's really, really interesting stuff. You can find show notes for this episode at thecmethod.com slash wendy. Also, I just want to say a big thank you if you are listening and if you came to my elevator pitch workshop that I held at Hub Melbourne on, wait, yesterday. Yeah, this today's Wednesday. So yeah, I did it yesterday on Tuesday. It was so much fun. I had, we had a packed room. There was 40 people there and I went through with everyone how to create a really strong elevator pitch that you can use when you're talking about yourself in networking situations, in social situations, and basically whenever someone asks you what you do. I had a really, really good time and the feedback that I've had so far from the workshop has been excellent. So I thank you if you're listening now and you came along. Thank you so much. If you missed the last episode and you and you want to learn more about how to be confident when speaking about yourself, check out the episode uh, episode number 44. It's called Why You Need to Suck Less at Explaining What You Do, and you can find that at thecmethod.com slash suck less. All right, let's get to the interview with the lovely Wendy Grenfell. Thank you so much for joining me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really appreciate oh, it. No, my pleasure. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for thinking of me. I it's appreciate always, it. It's always great to meet with other people who are also educators, especially in the professional world, although what we do is quite different because you're, you're educating high-level execs, which I think is 
amazing and I'd love to learn more about like how you actually go about educating people at that level. Yeah. Um, okay. but firstly, you, you describe Elgin Hall as a finishing school among business schools. What, what do you actually mean by that? That's a um, really good question, Christina. And, um, yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. Really enjoying being here. I see it as being the pulling it all together and the polishing tweaking because I've worked across organizations for over 25 years and I've seen a lot of things that work and I've seen a lot of things that don't work. And so as you start to become more seasoned in organizations, you start to really, or I, I do in particular, really think deeply about what's working and what's not working. And what I was finding is that there are a lot of great programs, training programs out there for exceptional professionals, really talented professionals, but most of them stop at 80% and most of the talented professionals stop at 80%. So what I mean by that is someone like a talented person might enroll in an MBA, they might go through a curriculum in their own internal business school, they're all great programs, but they don't take them forward to operate as polished, high-performing people in that top 20% zone. And what I'm finding too is the more development that people do, the more piecemeal it becomes. There's nothing that really pulls it all together. And I like the finishing school concept because if you think of a finishing school, you probably think of a Swiss finishing school, (laughs) young ladies at 17 or 18. But if we are to think about that more widely... What are they doing? They are enrolling to pull it all together, to use what they've learned, all of their nuts and bolts Mm. education prior to that, to pull it all together to be really high-performing young ladies that can go out in the world and marry great people (laughs) or do do great things. I still think we need that. You know, I actually went to a – I did a makeup course the other week because I love learning different things. I thought, this this looks cool. And a lot of the girls there were saying, you know, I never learnt this in school. My mum never taught me. And this is a life skill that you need. And I think that – and even things like communication, how do you write emails, how do you – you know, from everything from your physical presentation to your verbal communication, like, I think everyone needs yeah. that sort of finishing yeah, yeah, totally education. Agree. Totally yeah. agree with you. I mean, we laugh about the book on the head and mm. walking down the aisle thing, but um, perception is everything and it's about brand and in business and when we work for organisations, people are judging us within microseconds every time we walk through a door. So how we look and act and grow in our outer skin is just as important as our mm. inner skin so although I don't have any of that stuff in my finishing school programs, <laughs> I'm certainly not averse to it. Uh, you know, we will, we do, we certainly do talk about brand yeah. and the importance of brand and, um, but I don't go into the nitty gritty. I leave that for the, the staff. Yeah. The, 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 isn't there a famous June Dally Watkins finishing school still going since 1950 something? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's based in Melbourne. Um, yeah. So that's me. I work at that top zone. I work in tweaking, polishing, pulling it all together. Also, powerfully, it really is about holistic education, and that's my observation too, that most of the programs out there are all great. Everybody's running around attempting to keep them modern and help skill people up in the modern world of work, but they're not necessarily looking at that from a holistic point of view. And what I mean by that is if you don't look at your inner game and what's going on inside, then you will stop at 80%. 
you will continue to sabotage. You will continue to not know what your blind spots are, the things that are continue to trip you up, and you won't go any further. So an important component component of our programs, my programs, is the inner game. So not only can, can we go yeah. into that a little yeah, bit yeah, deeper? Yeah, love to. Love to. What's my it? favorite thing? Oh, okay. <laughs> let's, yeah, let's talk about that. I want to. I want to learn more about this. So, yeah. So, okay. So inner game. What is yeah. that? So inner game is all that unconscious stuff, all of the programming and programming and the patterning, the experiences, the trauma, even the happy times that you've had as you've evolved, and they're sitting in there in, in the unconscious, and your unconscious is daily giving you messages, usually things that don't serve you rather than things that are serving you, and they're the things that are stopping you. For um, example, one example would be um, you think you're not worthy, you think you're not good enough, you think you're, you might have come from an impoverished background and unconsciously your message is I'm not as good as those other people that I'm working with or I'm trying to sell to or I'm taking direction from in a workplace. That's one example. But we don't see those things. They are blind spots. It's the hidden stuff because our psyche's not necessarily prepared. So I very respectfully and very carefully through my development programs, which is training as well as coaching, there's a component of one-to-one coaching where we look at that stuff and it's it's simple questions, but it's powerful questions. I might say to a client, what is it you don't see? What is it that you're not seeing at the moment that is tripping you up and continues, continues to trip you up? And normally, rightfully so, they'll say, I don't know. Hmm. If you did know, what would that look like? <laughs> I don't know. Okay, let's let's pull it out then. And this I love this one because this is normally when the aha moments happen. If I was to um you or I were to go downside into your head and right down to your stomach and pull that thing out that you don't know about and don't see and pull it out and look at it in front of you, what is it? What does it look like? What's it saying? What's it feel like? That is when it's normally an aha moment where they see it. Wow. For the first time. Do you get them to personify that? personify that thing like maybe from someone in their life who's been affecting them yeah know, like a parent yeah, that, or something yeah, like that. that that can come up and and that can come up then or it can come up afterwards when I might say something like what is that regular voice in the head mm. and who does it sound like oh it sounds like my mother or it sounds like my father or it sounds right. like my uncle um that and I totally agree. Um, that's powerful as well. And so we do things. We put things in place to change it. Because once you've got that awareness, it's hard to not have that awareness again. And that's when we once again respectfully uh, do things to really move that on mm. and put other things in place to really develop them and take them further. That I would say, if I was going to do one thing in my programs, for example, if somebody came along and said you can't you can't run your curriculum curriculum but you can choose one thing that you can take and continue to use with people that is the thing that I would take mm. I guess that's the first step isn't it just being aware of those blocks and barriers yeah. that hold you back and then being able to like reprogram that and, yeah, and break through absolutely and the thing is I talk about this in my programs as well but talented professionals exceptional professionals are not unlike Elite athletes, elite athletes, 
they get to 80% good in their professional career and their sporting career and then they hit that wall but they know that that wall is there that that really tough wall is there their coaches know that the wall is there so their coaches help to prepare for that wall and then help them to scale that wall and to move forward into the high performance zone where they win races marathons swimming events whatever whatever it is but uh Corporate people, business people, exceptional professions, they're the same. Mm. They are, to the business world, what elite athletes are to the sporting world, but they don't know that that same wall is there for them, and nobody, very few people around them know that that wall is there as well. So I see my role as being the role that helps them see that wall, right? talk about that wall, know that wall, know what the typical things are, that present in that wall and why they keep bashing their heads against that wall and why they're feeling so antsy around that wall and then tools and techniques and development to scale that wall and then introduce them to what's on the other side because most people, exceptional professionals and everyone really wants what's on the other side of the wall but very few people get there. Very few people get to even that 80% zone. Mm. Mr and Mrs Average sit at about 20 to 50% so they don't really know that angst and that hurt and that pain, and they're not necessarily hitting, or they're not hitting that 80% wall, which really hurts. Um, that's why I like di- uh, working with exceptional professionals as well, because it is challenging. But when they get to the other side, they become exemplars of the community. All of a sudden, they're less stressed. They're earning more money. They've got more family time. They can contribute to society yeah. a lot more. And they're also the people that can change workplaces as well, that can really go in and clean up workplaces then because they become true models of, I guess, heart-centred leadership and everything that goes along with that. Going back to the 80%, like the 80% wall, how do you know that you've actually hit that wall? So if someone's at 20 to 50 and they're feeling, I don't know, anxious or stressed, what's the difference between that sort of stress and then the 80%? Wall stress. Yeah, great question. Really great question. I'd say it would be in its intensity. Often we have the same symptoms at something like a 50% wall, but we plot along and it's not quite the same and it's not necessarily a huge barrier. There are still openings and people can get through. They've got other people that can help them. But once you get to that 80% wall, it's stuck, it's thick, you cannot get through and it's more painful. It's very intensified because at 80%, you are at the pointy end of everything. That is where, if you think of it as a web, that's where all the toxins, pollutants, angst, politics, drama, issues, stress gathers. Mm-hmm. And a good analogy is an exceptional professional, a high-performing person stuck in that web. Everything's being dragged in. They're feeling particularly stressed and caught, but they don't have the ability and the skills to deal with it. Some symptoms, some three typical symptoms that, that um, present would be um, things like chronic tiredness, lack of engagement, job hopping, um, drama. Drama is coming towards them a lot. And that is normally what's really going on is that's about misalignment. So they're actually not aligned to their passion, their dreams and their callings. Either they never were in the first place or somewhere along the line, they cashed out, handed over their dreams, their calling, 
for their employer's calling. So that's that's how it can present. It can present as illness, absenteeism, illness, flu-like symptoms, headaches, tight throat. And that is a really good um, example of what's really going on, which is at that pointy end, the environment, workplaces, lack of communication, politics, drama, but these talented professionals not really being aware of different environments and how they impact and not having the sophisticated advanced skills that they need to deal with that. For example, they might not be aware that they're working in a an old-fashioned um, industrial-style setup or even wolfpack-style structure where there's mistrust and silo mentalities and, um, you know, don't talk, don't trust, just do your job. Mm. And rather than the opposite, which would be a very heart-centered connecting type of environment where you've got self-managed teams and high levels of trust, and we talked a little bit about that in the beginning as well. And so it's knowing what environment you're working in and then developing sophisticated skills to work within that. And that's another reason why I was really interested in talking to you today because I know that you're you see communication skills as being really important. So do I. Once again, if somebody said you can only empower your people with one skill to scale that wall to bliss and happiness, what would it be? And it would definitely be the communication skills, interpersonal skills, relationship skills. They are everything. And yeah. most high-level performers aren't well-equipped to... Um, deal, deal with all that stuff, deal with their environment, deal with a lack of communication, deal with the politics. What's the biggest mistake that you see high-level business people making when it comes to communication? Great question, great question. I would say not communicating. <laughs> Just the lack of it. What's that, not what's that saying that goes, the biggest um, myth about communication is the um, oh man, I the, can't remember something now. that had happened. Yeah, the illusion that it happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you know, I, my my theory—it's not much, just my theory—is that once again, in a stressful uh, interpersonal encounter, you can do three things: you can freeze, you can flee, or you can fight. And so the fighter will get angry and regret the things that they say. Their voice will raise, and all of a sudden, the other person's feeling threatened. They'll freeze, and that's where people might have tight throats. They can't speak up to their boss or to their colleague, and they'll come away afterwards and, you know, talk in the tea room about how their boss did this and their boss did that, and I should have said that, and I should have Mm -hmm. said this. And um, then there's the flea, and that seems to be, in my observation in workplaces, the most comfortable default position. I'll just ignore it. I won't respond to that email, especially in this age of email and texting. I won't respond to the email, I won't respond to the text, I'll just ignore it. Or worse so, and you see this in children that haven't been modelled in another way, they'll sulk. Yeah. They'll get huffy and they'll hide in their rooms and they won't sulk. They'll, they'll, they'll sulk and there's a lot of that happening in workplaces. And all it really is is about empowering people with the right skills. Once again, awareness, what don't you see? You're not aware that you're... That's your default position. That's what you're doing. You're not aware of another way. And here are the tools for um, working within difficult, emotionally charged situations. And, of course, here we're not just talking about business. We're talking about life. We are talking about parent-child relationships. We are talking about 
um, uh, love, partner, relationships, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, friends. So uh, I'd say the best piece of training I ever did was the Thomas Gordon model. I enrolled in it when my children were young and it was just a program in the best, best communication skills. At the time I did it to raise happy, well-adjusted children but I did not realise that it was going to have huge ramifications for every area in my life and end up being one of my strongest things when I work in organisations using wow. the same skills. Can you share one of those yeah. tools with us or one of those so, things you learned that worked for your yeah, kids yeah, as yeah. well? As so well. Thomas Gordon was a famous parenting person. He started parenting courses, I think, in America in the 50s. He comes from a humanist psychology background, so it was all about win-win, and that's his philosophy. Everything's based on win-win. He really believed that the old parent model was about misuse of control and power. I'm bigger than you, so I'll fork out punishments. Therefore, the child doesn't learn to be empowered. The child doesn't learn to have a voice. The child does learn to sulk, etc. His model is about um, putting in place, I think he calls it the win-win model. So first of all, it's about active listening. I'll listen to my child or I'll listen to my colleague in the workplace and really listen and find out what's going on for them. I will acknowledge their feelings. So you're feeling really frustrated now because you spent three months working on that project and it got kicked into the long grass. My gosh, you must be feeling really disheartened and really hurt. So this is something you actually say. Mm, so if, mm. they, if they look like they're feeling frustrated or they're saying, I feel frustrated, you then say to them, I understand you're feeling frustrated because you've gone through X, Y, Z. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So just yeah. showing that empathy and at least acknowledging that you, yeah. that you you know, understand how they're feeling. And and that's one of the most powerful things in human nature, to feel understood and to feel listened to. So what that does is not only do you get a better grasp on what's going on for that person, and then you can ask some probing questions. Okay, so um, what needed to happen, do you think, to make it not go into the long grass, etc.? Um, but also if that person is angry or upset, if, if they listen to it, de-escalates all of those emotions. And then, cause of course you can't have a decent, fruitful conversation with someone if they're in their amygdala part of the brain and they're highly charged and highly emotional. So the first thing mm, is they're to not really, receiving. yeah, so the first thing is to really understand your problem. He has this model around, is it your problem? Is it my problem? So what do we do? Okay. So you have a problem because I didn't. I didn't acknowledge your project. I kicked it into the long grass. Let me understand that a bit more. Let me de-escalate your anger. I'll give you an example here because you've just stormed into my office and you've said I, I'm resigning because you didn't even look at that project that I put on your table. Oh, okay, so you're feeling frustrated, blah, 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 blah. Uh, okay, so, and then, then there's some negotiation. Okay, so what could we do? Okay, so this is what you're feeling. And then... It, it switches back and for, backwards and forwards, but I'm feeling a little bit, whatever, misunderstood or mm. a little bit um, stuck because my boss mm. didn't want to look at it. So, But then from that space of respect and two-way communication and trust and hearing, you can both then move forward. The, the, I call it a model, but then it just becomes real-life skills. You can move through how to problem-solve and come up with some ideas on how to get that project heard, how to help. So all of a sudden this person, the other person's willing to help me with my problem around feeling stuck with my boss because my boss doesn't want to look at it, etc. So 
It's about staying in that moment, staying in, I sometimes call it the fire of the dragon's mouth rather than running away, hiding, resigning or ignoring that angry, upset worker that's coming come, come into my office, sitting in the, in the fire of the dragon and working through it. But, of course, if you haven't been skilled up, if you don't have appropriate skills, of course you're going to fumble or, of course, you're going to want to ignore it and not do it. So communication really at the end of the day is about skills, skills and development like every other area. We we tend to think that it's something nebulous that mm. we can't learn, but it's not at all. And you would know that. That's why you're doing the work that you're doing every day and that's why you're so passionate about it because you're like me, you know, you know the importance of it. Going back to how I first used this model, I think I first enrolled when my youngest was only like three months old and uh, we sat in the room and the facilitator said, this program will change your life, but you will find in a few years' time that people will come up to you in the street and say, what are you doing differently? How come your children are so lovely? They're just exemplar citizens. They're amazing. I want your children over at my house playing <laughs> with my kids every day. Tell me what your secret is. And I laughed and thought, oh, that don't be ridiculous. But that is exactly what happens now. My my oldest is 20. My son is 17. It's exactly what happens now. People are still tapping me on the shoulder and saying exactly that. And, you know, if, um, yes, he's welcome at my place. He's a great role model for my son or, you know, teachers as well. Yeah. And, and they end up being high-achieving children, not driven by external stuff, do your homework or, you know, you can't go out tonight, but internally driven, their locus of control is internally mm. as well. Just before coming here, I was having a conversation with my 17-year-old son. He was going off to have a very hairy conversation with someone and he just wanted some ideas. He said, this is what I think I, I would like to say. This is what I really want to get across. What do you think? I, he didn't need my advice. He, he's been growing up with this model since he, well, since he was a baby. Mm. So, um, he had it all there. He had that internal locus of control. He had those skills and abilities. That's incredible. Yeah. And the fact yeah. that he's, he's willing and open to say, this is a conversation I want to have and actually being open to discuss how he's going to communicate that because a lot of people don't know how to do that or they don't want to or they think it's, Absolutely. it's showing too much vulnerability, right? Absolutely. And without wanting to divulge anything personal because I respect his privacy, the person on the other end of this conversation didn't want to have this conversation, just wanted to kind of put a one-liner out on Facebook and mm. leave it. And he said, no, I think it's important for us to meet, do it face-to-face, -face, mm. have a half-an-hour chat, close off properly. Ideal. That's what you want in every workplace too. You don't want that yeah. random email that comes out or that random text or in any relationship in life. You mm. you need to sit and talk and, um, yeah. Because it's, so, it's so easy to misconstrue emails and text messages. Absolutely. Because people just, people sit there and just analyze it and go, what do you think they mean by that? Absolutely. Why is there a full stop there? What, what, you know, the, <laughs> and, and it just gets more and more complicated. Yeah. Absolutely. I think Absolutely. having, having, um, you know, Tim Ferriss says, you know, a person's success can be measured by the number of, uh, uncomfortable conversations they're willing to have. Oh, I, I truly believe in that. And he, he, um, he talks about doing, deliberately going out of your way to have 
um, uncomfortable conversations with people. So, perfect, for example, love it, love it. Talk, like talking to a random person on the street, even that's uncomfortable. Or going into a shop and buying a bottle of water and saying, can you give me 50 cents off? Or like, I've only got mm-hmm. a dollar, can you? Like, And even knowing that you're going to get rejected or having someone saying, no, you can't do that. But even just forcing yourself to do that to then realize that, oh, that wasn't too bad. Yeah, yeah. So for your yeah, son yeah. to go and have this uncomfortable conversation, that's giving him that practice to then be able to go and do that in other situations, yeah, like when he's at work or at school or whatever. Absolutely. And you and it gives him an opportunity to know what's really going on for that other person, vice versa. Mm. Lessons on both sides. If you don't have that uncomfortable conversation or you, you don't have the skills to be able to have that uncomfortable conversation so it can be comfortable, mm. then there are valuable lessons lost. I love that Tim Ferriss thing about going asking if you can have a discount. I did the T. Harvecker <laughs> Entrepreneur Program. We had to do the same thing. We, yeah. we sat at the exhibition centre in a classroom. Then we had to go out for lunch around the food court area and ask for discounts on lunch or clothing or coffee. And um, I remember going up and saying to the cappuccino man, oh, Wow, your coffee's four fifty. Can I have it for three fifty? And he said, "Sure." Just like that. It's like, oh my god! Wow. <laughs> there you go. Those win. wonderful business skills, communication skills. We can apply them everywhere. Yeah, so. absolutely. <laughs> Before we wrap up, do you have any final tips, or maybe one final tip for someone who wants to take their business or their career to the next level? And they want to, they want, maybe they're at the 80% wall. What's one thing that they can do or start to do that's going to help them communicate better or simply just go to the next level in their workplace? Great, great question. I would say sit down and reflect. Reflection is still one of the most powerful learning and growth tools and one of the most underutilized. Sit down, write out a list of all the great courses and skills and development programs that you've done on one side. Write down, brainstorm your gaps on the other. What's still missing? What do I need? In particular, since we've had this theme of communication, have a great communication box column. Write down what you've learned and developed over the years in terms of interpersonal relationships and communication, but what's missing, what you still Mm. feel is missing that you could grow. And certainly if you're interested in what I talked about today, please drop me a line. I think my details are going to be on the bottom of this. Yeah, podcast, sure. I'll, I'll put them in the show yeah. notes. Um, but share your share your so, site um, and the best. Just drop me a line at Wendy A at Elgin Hall E L G I N H A L L dot com dot au. And what I do with people that are interested in working with me, I send them a form and I get a few details to see if I think that that would be a good fit. Because I only want to work with people if I think that I can help them move forward and it's the right time for them. If Mm. it's not the right time, I won't leave them hanging. I will direct them to another approach and then they can come back to me when they're ready. And, uh, yeah, so then from that form, if we think that there's a good vibe happening there, I'll then invite them to do a Skype call with me and we can really look at what's going on and perhaps where their gaps are and um, whether they – could benefit from enrolling in my six-month program. That's the my big bandwagon at the moment and the thing that I focus on, my six-month ultimate edge development program, which really is about helping people scale that wall and work in that top 20% zone. So thanks, Christine, for having me. I always love to talk about communication and my finishing school approach, but 
because it's your thing today, your baby, I've, I've, I've been very energised and I've had a great time. <laughs> so thank you very much. Excellent. Thank you so much for, for being for me here and joining me. It's been yeah. great. Good. No worries. <laughs> Take care. Thank you so much again to Wendy Grenfell from Elgin Hall for being my very special guest this week. You can find her at elginhall.com.au and I'll put links to where you can contact Wendy in the show notes at thecmethod.com slash Wendy. All right, and that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate you joining me, spending some time with me today. I'll see you next week for another episode. Keep on being awesome, yeah? (laughs) My name's Christina Cantors and this has been Stand Out, Get Noticed.